This is the GGC Life Podcast. Follow. And I know it takes courage, it takes boldness, and, uh, and huge sacrifice. And I want to thank you and commend everyone that's, that's on the leadership team here for, for that stand that you're making in the nation and for the nations. So I'm not sure a projection lady, but I've got the first two pictures I'd like to come up one after the other, and then the third one um, that can come up a bit later, and I'll, I'll tell you. Do we have any time thing? I'll just look at that. <laughs> All right, just shout at me if, it's, yeah. if, if you want a coffee, okay? <laughs> just go, coffee! <laughs> All right, we, we can do this. So, okay, a couple of pictures, just so that you know, we talked about Wesley, my husband, there he is there, wow, and then the pictures, yeah, that's us. So we've been married for 42 years, we've been in senior ministry for 30 years, so um, yeah, we've been around for a little while, but the wrinkles and the grey hair to prove it. We've uh, got four kids, and we've got 13 grandkids, the next picture coming up is just a little snippet of some of the grandkids. There they go. There they go, and they are just look. They just look full of joy there, just like the church is supposed to look. Yeah. And um, I I felt this morning when I was praying into this that what God say to me that I've had a reasonable amount of experience with dealing with squabbles. <laughs> and. Uh, so today we can talk about flowing together, we can talk about healing the rifts, or we can talk about stopping the squabbles. But that's where we're going in this first session anyway. Second session, we'll do a whole heap more equipping, but I just, yeah, I've just got to go with what I feel Holy Spirit is saying. Over the years of uh, moving in the prophetic ministry, there's been a couple of things that, themes that, statements that I've heard from senior leaders, being a senior leader myself 30 years, okay, so I, I we talk. Describing prophetic ministries, I've heard this statement often. Wow, she's a bit flaky. Yeah. Another one was um, a bit of a Jezebel. Yeah. Now from prophets, speaking about senior leaders, you get, man, he's got a controlling spirit. <laughs> so <clears throat> what if God wanted to address in this first session anyway was how we can stop some of the squabbles, how we can heal some of the rifts, and how we can flow together. Because I tell you what, it's coming out loud and clear that God is asking us to move in unity so he can command the blessing. All right. So we know that scripture 1 Samuel 16, 7, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And I think a lot of us have put your God looks on the heart. But I tell you what, man looks on the outward appearance. And uh, Cliff touched on it last night. Do you know Bob? I mean, you may have heard of Bob Jones, may not have. He's yeah. passed into glory, but he actually had a minder. We had the joy of having one of his minders stay with us. And he said that, you know, this, this man, Bob Jones, I mean, he prophesied, you, you know, like um, meteors <coughs> going to come in to the atmosphere on such a date, this, this, this. That, that was the, you know, the caliber of the guy was right up there. But anyway, um, there were these stories of, of Bob Jones turning up with a prophetic word on someone's doorstep, knock on the door, they'd open the door, and he'd still have his pyjama pants on, and he'd have his shirt not done up right, and he might have one sneaker on one foot and a dress shoe on the other, and he was like so caught up in the spirit um, that he wasn't quite here. 
And so they ended up, the church decided that, that Bob needed a minder. And so he had minders who actually lived with him, you know, and, and they would make sure he was dressed all right because he'd just get so much caught up in the glory and what he was seeing in the spirit realm that he just would not be focusing on how he was even dressed. You know, God looks on the heart, but man looks on the outward. And that was something that they actually needed to address to make Bob Jones more receivable. You know, that just, so flakiness, you know, what, what is it? It, it, that statement, when someone is going to see you leader or someone else is about a prophet, what are they actually meaning? It's often a judgment of a prophetic minister that's regularly unrelatable. The word doesn't make sense, they deliver it in a strange way, or they had the cringe factor. <laughs> What about Jezebel? You know, I am not denying that there are people that operate in a Jezebel spirit. I've been whacked by that thing, as with most prophets in the place and in the nation. However, particularly in the 1980s, 1990s, any woman that got up with a strong prophetic word that was bringing any kind of direction was often said to have a Jezebel spirit. And in, in New Zealand, it was just prolific, that kind of statement. It was like, just sit down, or just go into the kitchen and mind your own business. Don't, don't you get up here and, and try to tell us what God is saying to the church. And uh, yeah. So one of my key aims is to present and teach Prophets and those who are flying in the, in the prophetic to present in a relatable way. Not just to the unsaved, but even in the body of Christ. Okay? If God is speaking to us all the time, as Cliff said last night. What we need to be is we need to be able to present what He's saying in a way. That's receivable. I, I know there's somebody in our midst right here in this room who doesn't like greens. Doesn't like vegetables. And I was thinking about how if I put a plate of salad in front of this guy, he just, I know he wouldn't eat it. I think I've tried it. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm not even looking in the direction. However, should I have a real meat casserole and I chop up those greens and have them so mixed in that there is no way he can even detect a bit of greenery in there. He would eat that meal and enjoy it. I love you. There are ways of being able to present a word that don't take away from the word, that don't take away the authenticity of the word, but you present that word in a way that the person can receive it, they can eat it, they can receive from God himself without choking on it. Okay. So, as I said, one of the common arguments from prophets is that a senior leader missed it, shut down the spirit and is too controlling. Yeah, that can happen. However, let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 14, 19 to 32. I'm reading from the Passion Translation for some of my scriptures, just because I like the way it flows. 
Verse 29, and the same with prophecy. Let two or three prophets prophesy. And let the other prophets carefully evaluate and discern what is being said. But if someone receives a revelation or someone else is still speaking, the one speaking should conclude and allow the one with fresh revelation the opportunity to share it. For you can all prophesy, prophesy in turn and in an environment where all present can be instructed, encouraged and strengthened. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is a God of harmony, not confusion, as is the pattern in all the churches of God's holy believers. So I want to bring out the point here that the anointing to prophesy does not mean that the speaker is out of control. Someone has said it again. It does not, the anointing to prophesy does not mean that the prophet who's giving the word is out of control. The gift is subject to the prophet. You have control over your tone of voice, your mannerisms. You can present what God has given you in a receivable way without quenching the Holy Ghost. Also, we see from the scripture that prophecy is subject to the prophets. So we are encouraging one another's prophetic words and be robust enough as prophets to be able to be judged and critiqued without falling in a weeping mess on the floor or, or saying, Ichabod, Ichabod, I'm out of here, okay? When you prophesy, you are in control of yourself. First point. Second point, we have the ability to respect each other and flow with each other and it's not quenching the Holy Spirit. Now you haven't been, most of you have not been to our church, but had you come into our church when the, when the, when the worship's ripping and prophets prophesying and someone's on the floor over there laughing and someone's being delivered over there and, and just glory is breaking out, that's where I'm at home, okay? That is where I am totally at home. So we're not a church that quenches the Holy Spirit. So that's the, that's the angle I'm coming from. You need to understand we're not from a controlling environment. I am saying when I've got prophets in our midst that stand up, I want them to be able to articulate well, yeah. to flow with the meeting well, to not rub their siblings as it were. I showed the, I showed the grandkids up the wrong way because of their manners. But make it receivable because it's a gift from God and people need to be able to receive it. So you make it as easy as possible for someone to swallow their greens. Okay. Prophetic words and prophets must be robust enough to stand up to scrutiny and assessment. However, this would be done with kindness and prayer and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. It may seem weird, but it may be God. That's yeah, true. I tell you. Here's a, uh, a picture, the third picture that I've got there, which should be of four ladies wearing basically the same colour. So this happened, what happens is that in the beginning of the year we get together uh, as a Council of Prophets New Zealand prophetic roundtable and I told you what, what we do. And uh, this time, 
the Lord gave us a word or, or gave me a word on convergence. So we rolled off the council time into a prophetic and apostolic conference called Behold. So this year it was called Behold the Convergence. And we saw a lot of, of Maori people, the, the indigenous people of our land come in, prophetic people come in. And we saw the blending, we were like swapping the microphone between the, the indigenous prophets and the, and the Pākehā prophets. And it was just flowing, it was just, I've never seen it before. The people there, the other prophets here had not seen it before. Um, I'm not saying it hasn't happened before, but we've never seen it before. We were speaking and decreeing a lot into the nation and the healing of the land. There's a lot of bunny trails I've gone here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it tight for you. I don't know. Many of you probably know the history of the Holy Spirit first call um, falling and and how people used to tarry where they would wait and and pray and pray and fast and fast and it would go on for ages to be just to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then my understanding, and I need to check my history, that there was a certain meeting at the beginning of the 1900s and, and a woman in the meeting felt that she had to run up and slap the table three times. And when she slapped the table three times, it looked weird, right? Yeah. Slapped the table three times, the Holy Ghost fell on everybody in their room and they all started speaking in tongues. Something weird happened that brought the breakthrough. It was prophetic, wow. but it looked weird. Okay, so sometimes there's things that look weird. Yeah. So these four ladies, on the last day of the conference, these four ladies who are all part of the council turn up all wearing the same colour. We look at them and we think, this is a bit weird. They look at each other and they say, this is a bit weird. And, and then they, they talk to each other, they go, hey, where are you from? Where are you from? One was from the north, one was from the south, one was from the east, one was from the west. Another Maori prophet had come into the conference and she'd been told, no, I don't know the Maori name for it, but it's like a stick thing that sort of has a flag on the end of it. It's all carved and beautiful. And God told her that she had to bring it to the conference. She felt embarrassed that she was to bring it. But it's to do with, they, they take it and they, they, they speak to the, the winds and they, they call the winds to come and they, they, then they had it down onto the ground and, and expect the land to move and to shift and things to shift in the nation when they had it on the ground. And so when these four women all dressed in yellow began to realise that I'm from the north, I'm from the south, I'm from the east, I'm from the west. And then the Maori prophet said, I knew I had to bring this and I've got to give it to you, Janet. And one of us has got to stand on the north, one to the east, one to the south, one to the west. And we've got to speak and we've got to call in the winds of the Holy Spirit to come and blow upon the bones of the church, the dry bones of the church in the nation. And so they, they did it. And so they positioned me in the middle. And I don't know, I, I'm like, I am fine by the seat of my pants. Do you have that saying here in Australia? What? So I... I'm going, oh dear Jesus, I'm holding this Maori thing, and I don't, I didn't know what, I still don't know what the thing's called, you know, and, and I've got this Maori prophet who knows all about Maori protocol, and I don't even know, I'm hoping I'm holding it the right way up, you know, and anyway, so she said, you've got to stand here in the middle, so I'm standing in the middle of our auditorium holding this thing, and they begin to call out to the east wind, the south wind, the north wind, the west wind. And as they drove up, the Holy Ghost come on me and I just began to twirl this thing like this. 
And then they, they say, yeah, you go last, Janet. We'll call up, we'll pray, and then you go last. And so I command a shifting in the nation. I command a shifting in, into the church to rise up and to be who she's called to be in the nation. I command convergence of the of that fivefold coming in and life and health. And I, I bang that thing on the ground, and there was an earthquake. <laughs> and... Uh, I freaked out a bit. Oh. <laughs> I didn't think I had that. Laura. <laughs> anyway, but it wasn't just any earthquake. Oh. When I got home, I looked up on our big journey app on our phones. If you live in Christchurch, you have such apps on your phone. And, um, and I looked to see where the epicenter was. So the epicenter was in a place called Port Levy, which is, uh, if you know Christchurch at all, there's a peninsula that goes out in different little ports around. The Maori name for it, I can't pronounce it, honestly, I'm so, anyway, ignorant white girl. <laughs> but it was where the largest population of Maori people lived in the 1800s, and it was where the first Anglican Maori church was built. That's where the epicenter of the earthquake was. I'm just, here we are praying and decreeing into convergence, the, the blending of the fivefold across the two cultures to come together, to move together in the power of God, speaking to the dry bones, speaking to the ground to respond, the earth to respond, and this is what happens, and I tell you, whoa. And it looked weird, four ladies turning up in the same color orange. And if we hadn't, if we hadn't pulled out, we wouldn't have even known what God was doing and up to. Wow. Like sometimes you have to go with the weird. Wow. Yes. Yes. So anyway, something else happened over that weekend that um, I've still got to unpack a bit. There were over 400 earthquakes that weekend, and they were all in place in the North Island. So we're in the South Island, right? So their earthquakes generally don't affect us. We don't even know they're happening. So while this is going on where we are, up in the North Island, there was four, just over 400 earthquakes that happened in this one place. This one place has a deep spring that springs up. That's icy cold water. Just along a bit further, it has a spring bubbling up that's boiling hot geothermal water. The earthquake happened right in between. The epicenter happened between the hot and the cold. You know, I, I, I haven't unpacked this yet, but there was something about God saying the lukewarm being, being spat out, that he's coming, and, he, and, and I tell you, there's something in that. And uh, man, it was an interesting weekend. I said last night, man, I loved your session time. Thank you. That we're, to, we're told to covet to prophesy. We see it as a key gift in the Old and New Testament. You know, there's 31,124 verses in the Bible, 8,352 are future predictions, therefore, 27% of the Bible is prophetic. You see an emphasis, you see the prophets moving, you see prophecy in the New Testament church. So what happened? In the New Testament churches, you saw at least 14, uh, documented at least 14 of the local churches mentioned there that were flowing the prophetic gifting. And we've got a history for you. In the early church, Irenaeus, who was a pupil of Polycarp, who was a pupil of John, in AD 
180. So in the second century, he wrote a book called Against Heresies. And that was translated. And from chapter 4, it says, Others have foreknowledge of things to come. They see visions. They utter prophetic expressions. And he also went on and, and described deliverance, healing, and dead raising. So second century church, you still saw prophetic flowing, right? Okay, third century. Uh, Cyprian of Carthage, he talks of very young children having prophetic experiences and describing heavenly scenes, and these kids still couldn't read. Okay, so they're very little, very little kids. While I'm on that, before I forget, I um, really felt God speak to me that we're to watch the 12-year-olds. There is a move of God coming upon the children. We need to give room for the children. There is going to be a purity of the prophetic. There's going to be visions and dreams that's coming upon the children. And we need to actually give room for them. Uh, I had a grandson come up to me and he gave, he gave me a piece of paper. And the thing just looked like it was scribble. The whole thing was coloured in the scribble and I said to him I said what's this and he said it's a wall and at the time I was really struggling with some stuff I felt like I had come again up against a wall in the spirit you know and I just and, and I, I said to him okay it's a wall can you tell grandma anything more about it he said oh yeah Jesus is on the other side of the wall grandma and I said okay he said yeah and he's about to kick your wall down <laughs> straight from the heart. He knew nothing about what was going on in my life and what I was facing. But I tell you what, God spoke to him. And if I could have just taken that piece of paper and thought it's a piece of paper scribbles. But God was speaking to him. We need to give room. I'm feeling a a real emphasis of the Holy Spirit. You're a senior leader or a leader here. We need to give room for the children. God is going to move. He is moving and he's going to move even more on the children. Watch the 12 year olds. Okay. All of that to say that um, Cyprian of Carthage did his thing. Yeah, okay. So what happened? Holy Spirit was moving. People were prophesying. People were comfortable with prophecy in the second, third century. We see, however, that the church came into a time where prophecy wasn't being judged. We saw earlier 1 Corinthians 14, 29, the same with prophecy. Let two or three prophets prophesy. Let the other prophets carefully evaluate and discern what is being said. Uh, Amplified Version says, while the rest pay attention and weigh and discern what is said. So in the latter part of the second century, this is important that we understand just what's happened. Because it helps us to not make the same mistake again, okay? So the latter part of the second century, a group that became known as the Montanists were refusing to have their prophecies judged. This led to doctrinal error and malpractice. I want to read this quote from Dan McCollum. Whenever prophetic declarations and manifestations are considered beyond judgment, then there is no opportunity for correction, improvement or realignment of those who prophesy in part. These extreme practices led church leaders to reject prophecy altogether. So, from that, it went into the church as, I think it might have been Daniel mentioned, um, in the history, they ended up deciding that, um, they went from, sorry, let me just find the plan. Essentially, they decided that only special people could prophesy. That it had to be a bishop. You had to be like ordained in the church. That it wasn't for the common people. Just like it came out, you know, that, yeah. that, that the general body of Christ wasn't to read the Bible. It was only for those in special places. And then, because of atrophy, you know, um, if, if you break a bone, 
and you have it in a cast for a while, that cast comes off, that bone is knitted together, but the muscle will, will atrophy, uh, the, the muscle will waste away, and you won't, you actually have to go into physiotherapy, you have to build up the strength of that thing again, even though the bone is knitted together. It's exactly the same with spiritual gifts. If you don't use it, it wastes away. So here we have in history where they began to believe that it was only for special people. And so that no one was stretching out in prophecy. No one was growing in prophecy. They discarded it from the general population. And so it became less and less prophecy. And then you understand that they then spoke, began to teach on cessationism where they believed that it died out with the first apostles. And that's not for the church today. A lot of this came from prophecy not being judged and waited correctly at the very beginning. An offense came in, and then the judgments were made, and then people didn't dare try and stretch and move in the prophetic. So we need to understand. So charismatic zeal became more controversial, and religion turned more rational and less experiential. It turned, this is a key statement, it turned from manifestations of presence to managerial expertise. So to the prophets, you are in control of your body. To the prophets, honor and respect for each other and weigh the words that come out. Yes. Oh, look at that, it is working. We looked at the screen back there, wasn't it? So. That's fabulous, isn't it? <laughs> You know, I've heard prophetic words. We have a lovely lady in our church. She's gone to glory now. And um, she was a strong prophet. But when she prophesied, her voice would get higher and higher. And she would get faster and faster in her delivery. So by the time she finished, she's talking about something particular. <laughs> deliver well. We need to deliver well. Speak clearly. Keep your tone and volume controlled. Use voice modulation to advantage. Don't shout the whole prophecy, nor whisper it. I just go back to my grandkids there again, you know, dealing with squabbles. Sometimes it's just one kid that does something annoying that grates everybody. We've got a lily, and everybody calls her a lily because she is, she's strong, man, and she bounces into the room, and she might go there like, Give someone a pat on the arm, but she actually knocks them over. <laughs> That's our Lily, and she's absolutely awesome. And um, some prophets are like that. They've, they've got to, you've got to learn how you're going to bring, what you're going to bring, so we avoid tensions and disagreements and pain. And let's try to let's try to work this out together as a team. Yes. Let's build together as a team for the building up of the kingdom, hey? Makes sense. Take time to get a scripture to back up what you're feeling. If you've got time, preferably write down the word or at least bullet point the key points. Ponder and allow God to add to what you've got. Ask God questions. Yeah. No, you're allowed to ask God's questions. Yeah. You get a you get a, a little seed thought come. You can ask God. Why am I thinking this? What am I What am I sensing here? Why? Ask him questions. Let him unpack it for you. And then try to come to a sensible conclusion. If God is speaking, he'll make sense. He'll give direction. He'll give clear encouragement or clear conditions. Try to leave room for people to receive or reject the word. 
Don't be dogmatic. Even when I'm really sure, I regularly say, I think God is saying. Yeah. Give room. Yeah. You know, and often you might bring something to somebody and it hasn't it, it is prophetic, so therefore it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it might not make sense to them that you're in there. But give give room. Don't tell them, oh, you've got to believe this because I am the prophet. <laughs> give them room. Give them wiggle room. We see in part. We prophesy in part. Another important question for a prophet or someone operating in the gift of prophecy is, is this word for now or is it confirmation for me? I want us to look briefly now at... Um, Protocols. We doing all right? You okay? That's great. This is great. Wait for me if you're asleep. <laughs> At Living Waters, we um, initially we would have an open mic policy when it came to the prophetic. Now we don't. Not unless it's like um, a different sort of prophetic event. And generally, what happens is that uh, one of the prophets of the house will come and they will submit to myself or my husband what they're feeling, what they're sensing. And whoever is leading that meeting, whether it's Wes or myself, we, we're, we're judging, you know, we're, we're feeling and sensing, where's the Holy Ghost going, where does this fit in, is this for now to be brought publicly, is it not? We need to actually flow with one another and understand that and honour who God has put in charge of that meeting without thinking that they're being controlling. Actually, honour the gift of authority that's on their lives, okay? This is how we're going to get on together and not rub each other up the wrong way. This is how we're going to grow in this. This is how we're going to bless our city and our nations, all right? This might feel like I'm just crossing T's and dotting I's here, but I tell you what, there is so much offence caused by this sort of nonsense, and I want to cut it off at the knees, okay? And it's far easier to submit your word to someone in leadership and have them say, uh-uh, not now than for you to blab off what you think might be God and, and end up being completely humiliated and the senior leader have to clean up the mess. Let's just avoid that. Alright. It is really cool if you're going into another church, not your own. Hopefully you understand the protocols in your own church. If you don't, talk to senior leaders. Say, how would you like, how, how does it work here? And senior leaders, it's kind to be clear. Don't be frightened. My husband is, was so pastoral that he was frightened to actually offend anybody. So he wouldn't give clear instructions. And I, I, I and other people said to him, you, you need to be clear. It's kind to be clear. You're not being unkind by giving clear parameters. We've talked about banks of the river. It's kind to be clear so you know where to flow, how to flow. All right. So when you go visiting into another, another church, do they have an open mic? policy here. Is there a specific time for prophetic words? Find out so that you can confidently bring what God gives you in the right way without causing offense. Alright. Um, be aware, prophets be aware of run sheets, time allocations. If there's multiple services, be aware that that senior leader, leader is under considerable time pressure usually to get the first service wound up so he can get into the second one. During COVID we had to go to multi-services multi and Oh, talk about cramping the style. We didn't like it as senior leaders. Yeah. We didn't do it because, man, this is fun. We were, half the time I felt like I was in grief because I was like, God, I just want to go for this. I want to keep going and worship. I want to keep, 
you know, and trying to juggle because we went through a stage here you were only allowed 25 people in a building at a time. So that means that um, you've got to have lots of services. So we split our venue into three different places and then you had to make sure that those people never met each other or rub shoulders with one another. And of course, the difficulty was, is that half an hour after the service, they might all end up at the local supermarket or local supermarket <laughs> car park, and it'll be, but anyway, don't, oh, don't, don't go down there. Don't go down there. Anyway, too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God is good. He is so good. As a prophet, this is more. Often prophets come like a trumpet sound, you know? I tell you what, if you had a trumpet blowing all the time in here every Sunday, it would get up your nose. <laughs> you may believe that you are a trumpet sound in your church, in your city or in your nation, but I would like to say to you that please don't blow that trumpet every day. Not in my ear. Okay? A trumpet often is used in the military to wake people up. It's not blown all day. You might need to wake some people up. That's all right, but just don't keep doing it. They don't they wake. What is that for you? Right. <laughs> okay. uh. I just want to ask a question of every person that ministers in any capacity here. Are you secure in your identity? Yeah. Do I need to be heard? Yeah. Am I self-promoting? What is this really about? You tell you what, somebody gets up behind the microphone and they need to be heard. Every person in the room knows they need to be heard. You, you guys are not so thick that a person can't get up here with an issue in their life, a character flaw in their life, and, and just be self-promoting and you wouldn't pick it, right? You, you, would, you would pick that. You would feel it. So how about we just keep old heart and check and just from time to time going, God, do I need to be heard? What's my heart like? What's my, am I secure in my identity? So I'm, I don't have to be heard. So I, just, I know I'm seen by him. Yeah. He loves me. I don't need to be heard. My life, my soul, my health, they all affect my prophetic words in some way. Am I feeling close and connected to God? Do I have excess fear or intimidation issues? They often cause a person to bring a word too forcefully because they're having to push through so much. Yeah. You get somebody and they, they feel like they're a volcano erupting. Often it's, be, not always, but often it can be because they've got real deep fear and insecurity issues and they, they have to take so, it takes them so long to build up the courage to actually bring the word that when it comes out, it just goes, whoa, you know, over everybody. Whereas getting some of this heart stuff help healed up yeah. means that you can actually bring a very strong word in a gentle way, or with a bit of humour, which I'm trying to do. Oh. <laughs> very good. All right. Um, am I going, uh, yeah, what is my soul health like, especially to be checked after trauma? I tell you what, we went through the Christchurch earthquake site. So it was traumatic. It was awful, awful, awful. I could go into earthquake stories with you, but I won't. However, the amount of trusted prophets in Christchurch that felt there was going to be another big one, that felt there was going to be a tsunami, that felt like, like the city was going to be wiped off the face of the earth, wow. that felt 
because they were prophesying out of their trauma. They were still literally shaking when, when a bus went past because their house was shaken. And it felt all the time your adrenaline level was up here because of what you'd physically gone through. And it was affecting your, your prophetic lens. And you kept feeling like something bad was going to happen because of the trauma that was still in your body and the adrenaline that was still in your veins. And we need to be aware where we're at physically. Because it taints. It taints, it, it taints the prophetic. Alright. Um, what is my attitude like to the church? His bride. We had another dear lady in the church. I don't know why I'm picking on ladies this morning. Maybe it just That's what it is. And uh, every jolly time she prophesied. Every time. Every time. The problem with the church is... <laughs> and Wes and I would be sitting here going as if you're not part of it. <laughs> what is your attitude like towards the bride? Yes. The bride of true. Christ. Yeah. I tell you what, Jesus is very possessive about his bride. He is, and the right said, he, he, he loves his bride. And if you as a prophet get up behind a microphone or something else and begin to knock, oh, shivers. Um, yeah, and begin to knock the bride, and begin to knock the church, and begin to knock senior leaders, and begin to knock leaders of movements and your nation. Then I tell you what, God doesn't just turn a blind eye to that. That is a dangerous place to be in. We're here to love, we're here to build up, we're here to encourage, we also do bring warning. But I, I just agree with Cliff on, I agree with Cliff on that, that that's for a five-fold prophet and they must do it in submission with other prophets as five-fold prophets as well. We bounce things off one another, we don't just go boom, 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 God is going to bring doom and destruction and everything else because you're, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, and you don't do the music the way I think you should be doing it. <laughs> Am I translating well? Next thing I want to ask, ask us to consider. What is my culture? What culture am I in? It used to be in New Zealand anyway. Probably not here. I don't know. But um, 1980s, almost every prophetic word was like bought in King James English. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let me know how well that goes down in the marketplace, please. Translate your vision to English. I don't want to hear things. That's why I tell my wife, I'm into teaching prophets here. This is what I tell I don't want to hear. I had a vision about a sheep in a field and a chicken on its back and the egg on the chicken. And, and, and I, don't, I don't, I don't. Just give me some interpretation, okay? All right? And I also, I also don't want to hear. Now this is. Some of you might feel like this is still important, but I, I, I think we can tidy this up. When I was in the shower this morning, yeah. <laughs> okay, we just lost 50% of the audience. <laughs> this morning God spoke to me, we'll convey the word just as well than when I was in the shower this morning, all right? There, there was this dear man that I loved and he got this incredible prophetic word when he was in the bath. And he was a really large man, and I couldn't see him, right? And every time he shared the word, every time I was lying in the bath, and all I could see, and I'm going, puppies, 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 anything, just to, you know, and I'd hardly ever hear the word he brought because I guess my brain would get stuck and the whale in the bath, you know, it was just bad. 
This morning, I saw this. That, that'll, that'll do. That'll do for me. That'll do for me, alright? We live stream our meetings. I don't know whether you guys do. Yeah. So many meetings are live stream. Please be aware that whatever you say and however you act is probably down for all eternity now. Before you jump up and act like a chicken laying an egg to prophesy that God is working something new, please think about that. I'm not saying that you won't have to do that. I had to. I, a couple of years ago, it was just gnarling then. I felt God tell me that I had to act like a bell and go backwards and forwards in front of the church going ding dong, ding dong. I don't know, we used to part a man. Show us. Show us, yeah, show us. Do you know what? A couple of weeks later, this news article came up, praise God, and it said about how um, seismologists around the world were really concerned about the earth was resonating and it was sounding like a gong. And there was this regular sound, the whole earth was resonating, the sound was going. Anyway, the word was to do with that God was saying, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time. But the actual world began to resonate like that as well. The seismologists didn't know around the world. I got the articles, I was just fascinated, saying that the earth began to resonate like a bell. Within a fortnight of me bringing that word and feeling like a complete clown. Sometimes we have to do things that are odd. But it shouldn't be the norm. Let's try not to make it the norm. I try desperately not to make it the norm. Especially for me. You can feel free. Okay, character cradles a gift. A person of integrity is more likely to be trusted when they bring a prophetic word. Fruit of the Spirit, how am I measuring up? These things are noted in a family and will either add or detract from my word being receivable. So important to be grounded in a local church. So important to have people around you that you love and that love you enough to be able to say, mm, how's your marriage going? Man, you were snappy with your husband this morning. We heard it. Whatever, just keep us accountable. Keep us working well in relationship with one another. The little things do count. They'll take your prophetic words. I want, I want this river clean. I want this river flowing, this prophetic river flowing so clean that it will not cause offense because of stupid stuff. All right. Okay, um, am I teachable? Am I easily offended? Am I willing to hear advice? Um, at times I've brought, well, I've been invited into a, a church, a different meeting. I've just brought the word written out on a piece of paper, folded up discreetly and given it to the senior leader. I have no issue about bringing that thing publicly. He is the man in authority in that place that God has entrusted those sheep to. I will deliver what God has given me to, to deliver. I don't need to do it publicly. No big deal to me. Just giving what God gave. All I'm saying is that we don't need to be blowing our own trumpet. If we need to be thinking we've got to be behind a microphone or making a big song and dance, there's some issues of the heart that need a bit of healing, is what I'm suggesting here. How are we doing for time? 
Oh, look at that. You're right. Yeah. No one shouted coffee yet. You're starting to. No, no, no. Who who needs coffee? Simon. Oh, All right, we're getting we're getting yeah, here. Okay. We're just about there. Just about there. <laughs> Uh, okay, Cliff touched on it, practical presentation of myself and the word. Do I smell? Do I dress tidily? Oh, 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 <laughs> All right, we're good. Um, be appropriate for my surrounding. I, I'm not going to wear a suit to a youth meeting. I'm not going to yeah. wear ripped jeans in a formal setting. Yeah. Do I use a mic confidently? Keep it in my mouth properly? <laughs> anyway, I, what I said was all talking like this and that's not working very well. Okay. Um, I'm going to get some things out because I'm thinking of your bottoms. <laughs> 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 Flying with other officers. I'm going I'm to bring some generalisations here, alright? So everybody who's, who is not a prophet, but you're a, a pastor, an evangelist, teacher, apostle, just bear with me, but I'm just bringing some generalisations here to help the prophets to think about the other people in the family. All right, evangelists, when they hear a prophetic word, they may ask internally, how will this win the lost? How does this impact the world? Try as a prophet or prophetic ministry to think about that before, during, before you bring the prophecy. Is this just going to build the church up or is there a further application? Look at that. Here we go. Is that to be added? Try to look through it through a different lens. I can train at an evangelism training school because I can, I can bring my focus as to how someone can bring words of knowledge in the marketplace. Okay, so try to get your other lens and look look at how will an evangelist see this. This is this message is all about how we can work together, how we can build together, how we can build strong teams, fivefold teams, without rubbing each other up the wrong way. Okay, so this is what this message is about. And so think about how an evangelist will see what I am bringing. Ask yourself: Is my delivery really strange enough, putting to unsaved in the meeting? How can I adjust it? It's better to ask yourself that than have it pointed out to you. Remaining authentic to what I've heard from God, but making it as possible as possible and receivable as possible. Teacher. A teacher may be asking internally, is this prophetic word biblically sound? Is it translating well? Are the people understanding it? A prophet, ask yourself, again, as I said before, is it necessary to tell the vision or bring a clear understanding of what God is saying very and back it up with scripture. Okay, good. let's good keep this healthy. Yeah, very good. Good. Uh, pastor, is this caring for the people? Is it loving? Prophet, ask yourself, do I have anything in my soul, pain, bitterness, that might taint this word? The pastors will feel it. Yeah. Could someone misunderstand what I'm saying and come under condemnation? To be clear is kind. I, um, just a wee example, I was doing a prophetic exercise one time in another nation and a man, his name was Neil Hardley and he came and he stood before me for a prophetic word. As soon as he stood before me, I knew the Lord said to me, he's hardly kneeling to pray. See, God often will use the play on a person's name. So his name was Neil Hard- Hardley. Now I could have said to him, sir, you, you, you know, you're out of sorts with God. And it could have been, what I said to him, and I stood there for a second and I said, Neil, God misses you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He burst into tears yeah. and he said this statement, you know, I've hardly been kneeling to pray. Wow. Wow. I could have got his back up if 
offended him and wounded him even more. A pastor will think about how is how is this word being delivered? Is it shutting people's hearts down or opening them up to God? Um, there may be generally I try to avoid strange elements, but often God speaks to me using pictures. And, and I was in a business meeting recently, and I had this businessman standing in front of me. And honestly, there's no way this man looked like a farmer. Okay, a really affluent businessman. And as I stood in front of him, I felt all I could see was this jolly tractor. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know what to say. Behold, you are a tractor. <laughs> I don't know, God just says stuff, shows me things, and then I'm trying to figure out and interpret what it's about. But anyway, I looked at this tractor and then I saw him marveling at the, at, at the tire, the big tire, and the traction on the tire. And so I began to speak about the traction on the tire, and that God was bringing traction to his business. Da, 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 da. And so I brought the picture and said the picture to him, and then went on to the prophetic word. While his mouth had dropped open, his wife was next to him, and, and, and she, would, she just started laughing. And I, I said, okay, please let me in on the joke, because I'm really scrambling here. And, and said, um, I bought my first tractor two weeks ago. I stood at the back of the tractor and I looked at this huge tire and I marveled at the tread on the tire. And I've just launched out into new business and I've been praying, God, am I going to get traction? Is this thing going to get traction or not? So I tell you what, it was right in that instance for me to bring the thing about the tractor. Because that really spoke to his heart that meant that he could easily receive the word because God used exactly what he'd been doing, standing and marveling at the tractor tire to open up his heart to receive in faith the word. Do you get that? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, but it's not always necessary to share the, the vision. Often I don't. But um, sometimes I feel God really wants to me to step out. An apostle, finish your winding up with this. An apostle is often saying... <clears throat> Is this building a church? Is this strengthening the body? Try to avoid exclusivity. I wrote this. I've been saying it in my head just fine until right now. Where things become um, exclusive. Thank you. Exclusive. For instance, this church is going to be the center of the glory of God. This is going to be the epicenter of glory compared to... God is raising up epicenters of glory. This place is going to be in one of those epicenters of glory. Totally, there's a different slant here. Okay? There's a shift. There's just a spit of a shift. Very good. One is building up a whole body. One is saying, you're exclusive. You're special. Come on, shoulders back. It's going to happen here. Go on. Yeah. All right. Love one another. In conclusion, love one another. Build together in our gifts and offices. Bring strength and health to the body. God is releasing many prophetic words. There's convergence with a firefold flowing together in new dynamics. There's convergence of apostles coming together where there's been broken relationships. I am speaking from experience. This is happening in our nation. We've got apostles that have not been speaking to each other for over 20 years who are now working together and hosting conferences together. And they're from different streams and they're coming together. And I tell you what, we are seeing what God is.
prophesying and what God is actually commanding. He's commanding unity. doesn't mean you have to see eye to eye on everything, but he's commanding unity so that he command, yes. can command the blessing. This church needs, we need to be strengthened up. We need the bones yeah. coming together. We need flesh on the bones. We Whoa. need in this day and age, it is so essential that the church stand up to who she is and a true healthy identity yeah. and have some power and some pushback against some of the stuff that's going on. Was to do that. We are in basically some of the darkest days. And the warnings come out that the days are going to get darker. But I tell you what, the convergence is where the convergence comes in is that God is bringing in greater glory. He's bringing in greater power. We're going to see greater miracles. We're going to see more miracles because there's going to be a need for more miracles. There's going to be a need for more healing. There's going to be a need for more financial breakthrough. And God is going to be there. Convergence. It's going to be kind of like the best of days and the worst of times. Yes, amen. Push into God. Grow up together. Work to understand one another. Put some effort into understanding one another and building relationships. Extend to our feet. You all right? For too long I've seen people shooting down the trenches instead of out of the trenches. We have got a common God, but we've got a common enemy. We need to shoot together out of the trenches. Father, we just lift up this whole time to you. Father, we thank you for your word that you are bringing a convergence of this gift into a God, that you're wanting to build us together, to knit us together in a strong body, Lord. Father, right now we ask you to move on our hearts, to show us, Lord, if there's anything or anybody, Lord, that we're out of sorts with because we took offence like a friend and carried it away from the relationship. Right now, Father, I ask you, precious Holy Spirit, shine on our hearts. Any areas that just need to be shifted, that need to be repented of. Father, we understand that often those key relationships that you want to build together are the ones where the demonic influence comes in and brings rifts. So Father, highlight to us, Holy Spirit, highlight to us right now if there's any 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 person, Lord, that we're out of sorts with that's actually a key relationship for the sake of the kingdom. That, Lord, we need to let go of the offense and we need to build again. Father, show us. Show us, Lord. We submit. We humbly submit our hearts to you, Lord. We open up our hearts and say, Lord, just show us. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, when we've held offense. And let us see, let us perceive, let us grasp, let us feel the big picture that you see, Lord. You need us to build together, to stand together, shoulder to shoulder. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed.